Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou here tonight with... Akusia Otre. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. I'm not here to threaten anybody, but I want you to know that this is a struggle that I take very seriously. And I will not be in the position to protect anybody against whom evidence are found to be complicit. President Akufado solicits the assistance of chiefs to depoliticize the fight against Galamse during a meeting with the National House of Chiefs in Kumasi today. We'll be giving you excerpts plus the reactions of the chiefs and the resolution from there. Also coming up, Wager Dam spillage continues to devastate the lives and properties of people living in Wager and its surrounding communities. We'll bring you up to speed on how residents in this area are coping with the resulting floods and what relief efforts have been made so far. And later on, government announces a new producer price for cocoa at 800 Ghana cities per 64kg bag. And uh, City News is... Um, headline for the business world. So government pegs producer price of cocoa at 800 Ghana cities per bag of 64 kilogram for the 2022-2023 crop season. Indeed, that's Niaikuyokan. He'll be back with the latest in the world of business in 15 minutes. Also on Eyewitness News, four labor unions in public universities threaten a strike action over conditions of service. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. We are live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including Tumpani Radio, 88.5 FM in Nadoli, uh, also in the Upper East Region on Rekas, 92.1 FM in Bongonamo. In the Northern Region, we are on North Star Radio, 92.1 in Tamale. Northeast, we are on Nobia FM, 98.1 in Nalerigo. In the Western Region, Beach, 105.5 FM, and Sky Power, 93.5 FM, both in Takradi, are bringing you this broadcast. And in the Ashanti Region, we are on Focus, 94.3, and Orange, 107.9 FM, both in Kumasi. In the Volta Region, you can catch us in the southernmost part of the region in Aplau on Holi, 98.5 FM, and also in Dabala. Sela Radio, 97.1 is carrying this broadcast. Let us know what you make of the stories we are bringing you tonight by sending your message to the WhatsApp and Telegram number 0549-986-996. Let's settle for details of our stories now and... Um, Akosia has a first story. Yes, in our first story, President Akufuado has given the strongest indication that he would not protect any traditional authority fingered to be actively involved in illegal mining. The president indicated that his government is still committed to winning the fight and thus counts on the support of chiefs to end the menace. Speaking after a closed-door meeting with members of the National House of Chiefs at Mencia in the Ashanti region, President Akufuado charged the traditional authority to take their responsibilities seriously. Before we listen to the president, let's take a listen to the address of the president of the National House of Chiefs, Oji Ahoho Yao Jibi II. Mr. President, in May 2022, 
the Honorable Minister for Energy, Dr. Matthew Opoku Prempe, met with members of the House and the National Queen Mother's Association of Ghana here to discuss the National Energy Transition Plan, where the government of Ghana is trying to achieve net zero emission of fossil fuel and other toxic substances released into the atmosphere that gradually destroy the ozone layer. Indeed, Nananum are solidly behind your government in taking pragmatic measures to successfully trans transit from the burning of fossil fuel to the use of renewable and cleaner energy. Mr. President, your relentless war with against foreign degradation and illegal mining in Ghana is of great importance to Ghanaians, especially with the chiefs. The effects of illegal mining on the environment threaten the arrival, the survival of water bodies, farmlands, the cocoa industries, and even encourages school dropouts as well as undermines the revenue mobilization drive of the country. In view of the developments, in view of these developments, Nananum are solidly behind your administration to apply the appropriate sanctions against persons who are engaged in the practice of illegal mining irrespective of their status. Mr. President, the Ghanaian public is well aware your government has commenced formal engagements with the IMM, the National Monetary Fund, to secure an economic recovery program for the country in the midst of the current economic challenges. Nananum would like to urge the Ghana side of the negotiation team to maximize all their, all their economic competences and technical know-how to secure a good deal to boost investor confidence in the economy for its improvement. Nananum would like to appeal to the government of Ghana using this media medium through our sector ministry for the recruitment of staff, especially the non-professional class to whose services are urgently required, particularly in the judicial sectors and the records department of the national and regional houses of chiefs, including the traditional councils. Furthermore, the national house of chiefs is also appealing to the Inspector General of Police, Dr. George Okufudampare, the ministers of national security and interior to try as much as possible to check the crime rates in Ghana in recent times, including the gruesome murder of the late Georgina Asoboke at Mankesim, as well as the murdering of private security men in the Wa municipality in the Upper West region. Indeed, we are very happy that your Minister for Interior has made a definite statement about the chieftaincy dispute in uh, the Upper East region. That is uh, Boko. We urgently appeal to your government to pay Nananum's outstanding quarterly allowances. We also demand economic sitting and traveling allowances to reflect present-day economic conditions. 
So that was President of the National House of Chiefs, Ojiahoho Yao JB II. Now let's take a listen to the President, Nane Kufuado, making his remarks after the meeting. Because of the constant allegations being made that you are heavily involved in the whole galaxy Every time people open their mouth, it happened today in the closed session with the chiefs. They mentioned MMTCs as some of the key conduct, con con conveyors, conduit points of the galaxy phenomenon. So you not only are you having to do something about it in the interests of the country, but having to do something to also declare your own names reputation. And in governance, reputation is everything. I'm coming here today to talk to you about how we can work together to get rid of this phenomenon. I'm not here to cast expressions against anybody, but also to import, impress upon you that I'm determined, come what may, to continue this fight against Galapsi. I'm aware that in the last election, it cost us, especially in the western region. Most of the mining communities in the area turned their back on us. I think there are just two exceptions, Takwa and Bibini, the rest turned their backs on us. So there is a political cost to the fight we're waging. It's a cost we should be prepared to pay in the interests of Ghana. So today's meeting is about what we need to do to reverse the operation of this phenomenon in Ghana. Several things have been attempted by the government, the most important of which, of course, is a new community mining scheme. I'd like to hear from you your views on it. Also, there's a new legal regime for dealing with the perpetrators of the perpetrators of Galamsey. We've increased significantly the sanctions for offenders who are convicted, Ghanaians who are convicted liable to imprisonment, not convicted, mandatorily be sentenced to 15 to 20 years in prison, apart from pay paying a hefty fine. And foreigners, 20 to 25 years in prison, hefty fine, after which is deportation. So we have a sanction regime that is also extremely severe and punitive. But to be able to get there, we have to find the people who are responsible, gather the evidence against them, and bring them to court. You are my representatives in each of your metropolises, municipalities, and districts. You are the representatives of the president. It cannot be that the president at the national level is waging a war against Galapse and you 
at the local level, my representatives, are compromising that fight. That cannot work. I'm not here to threaten anybody. But I want you to know that this is a struggle that I take very seriously. And I will not be in a position to protect anybody against whom evidence the executive, the regulatory agencies that are here, but the MMDCs, the ministers, myself, we all belong to the New Patriotic Party. And if the New Patriotic Party is committed to this struggle, they will be invidious that an important agents of the party in government at the local level are found to be complicit in the fight that we are waging. And that is why I want to repeat, I am not in a position to protect anybody against whom evidence is masked about their complicity in this matter. What happens in Ghana is that there are accusations are made against people in Amblan, in Gorokum, you know, MMDC. I don't operate with that. I don't operate with rumors. I'm a lawyer. I will always be dealing with facts. When the facts are brought, you will be invited to comment on it. Your colleague in Busumifrao has been public accusations about his involvement by the Minister for Local Government to come and answer. Unfortunately for him, it has coincided with the death of his wife. And apparently tomorrow is the first week, the, the one-week celebration. So he has not been able to respond. But when the one-week celebration is over, he will have to respond. And depending on the quality of his response, we will decide what the future holds for him. But that is the process that we're going to apply to anybody against whom allegations are made. An opportunity will be given to you to respond. If the response is not satisfactory, you can guess for yourself what the consequences will be. Let us work together to get rid of this man. And I believe that if the people of Ghana see a determined effort on our part, which is yielding results, our water bodies are clearing, our landscape is being reclaimed, our forest zones are being preserved, it will help them enable us do what? Break the eight. President Ekufado speaking there. Indeed, he was talking about breaking the eight before chiefs who are asking for some money to be given to them because they say that the economy is not good and they're asking for economic allowances. Half uh, a is a correspondent who sat through I'm not sure. Yet. Were, you, were you allowed to sit through the meeting or you were there for the opening meeting, uh, opening ceremony, and then the doors were closed for the bigger issues to be had, had um, for the bigger conversations to be had, Hafiz? So um, at the National House of Chiefs, the president arrived and um, exchanged pleasantries as usual with members of the House of Chiefs. There was a welcome address by the National House of Chiefs president, Ojiahoho Yaojibi II, then the address of the president followed. 
uh, where he touched on some of these issues. So this was the opening session. Then after the president's address, uh, the media and other people who were there uh, were allowed or were, were told to leave the auditorium to allow for the closed session with the chiefs. Okay, now that means that you didn't see through the proceedings, but is the meeting over? Have they come out to brief you? What we've just played, was it before the meeting or after the meeting? So this was before the meeting. So at the National House of Chiefs, the president addressed the gathering, the members of the House of Chiefs, the media included, and other participants uh, and observers who came through to uh, witness the meeting. So the president briefed us and then told us to leave the auditorium to allow for the closed-door session with the chiefs. So this was before the closed-door session where he interacted extensively with the chiefs on uh, the subject matter of illegal mining. Is a closed-door meeting over? Yes. The one that was done with the National House of Chiefs was in the morning through to midday. Uh, that went over around 1.30 p.m. Then the president moved to the Lancaster Hotel, uh, formerly Golden Tulip Hotel, where he met the regional ministers, the uh, regional ministers from mining districts or mining regions and municipal, metropolitan and uh, district chief executives from mining areas. And the closed-door sessions are over, and the president left uh, these premises. But there was no any briefing afterwards to the media. Man, you said that because of the importance of this meeting, when we got to the Lancaster Hotel uh, with the meeting, the meeting with the MMDCs and the other regional ministers, the uh, regional ministers and the MMDCs were told to give out their phones uh, to uh, people who can keep their phones for them so that later when the meeting was done, they could take them. So uh, that tells you that the issue that was to be discussed was very sensitive. I see. Now let's talk about the key things that came out of that meeting. As a journalist who is very well aware of the situation with Galamsey, having followed uh, several operations that have been moving around town to observe the situation. What are the key issues that stood out for you based on the interactions and the speeches that were given? Well, for me, uh, there has been some blame games in terms of politicians and chiefs. The president today mentioned that 80% of the uh, land chiefs are the caretakers of 80% of the land because they are custodians of the land. The politician has 20% or the government has 20%, but the government controls the uh, mineral resources of the country. So the president was cutting support from the chiefs to help him fight against uh, the illegal mining. Then he talked about the politicization of the illegal mining issue. He says that uh, if there's going to be a continuous politicization of this issue, it means that the battle is no near to be won. So he was no, uh, not so happy about what he says was the uh, politicization. Then he went further to say he even lost some votes, his party lost some votes in some mining areas because of the measures and interventions his government put in place 
to uh, fight this menace. But the chief themselves were not also happy about that. So when the president came to the Lancaster Hotel to meet the regional ministers and the MMDCs, he mentioned that some of the chiefs uh, said some DCEs or some of his appointees in their respective areas were complicit in the illegal mining activities. And uh, the president went further to say that he he's a lawyer. He does not deal uh, with uh, rumors. He, he wants evidence. If people have some uh, allegations that uh, his appointees are engaging in illegal mining activities, they should come out, they should come forward and present the facts to him. Then he can take action. Then he says that he was not ready to protect any appointee if evidence against them as to be compromising the fight against illegal mining activities was something to go by. So what next after this meeting? Is there like a pledge that has been signed, an MOU of a sort that is going to come out to guide the conversation in the future? Do we know what the next move is? I did not sit through the meeting, but after the meeting, I had interactions with the uh, local government minister, a short conversation with him. Uh, He says that this is uh, an issue a meeting that they will continue to hold with government appointees who have been put in the various districts and regions to represent the president and also help in government business. Uh, he says that this meeting they are hoping is going to yield a lot of results because uh, there were some pledges that were made by some of the or the MMDCs and the regional ministers as to how they can rekindle efforts to fight against this menace. I also uh, spoke to the central regional minister who uh, says that uh, the the mood of the president today was different because of uh, how serious this issue uh, was to him uh, and that they have seen the kind of seriousness the president has attached to fighting against illegal mining, and they were going to give him the needed support. She says that she is going to go back and then sit with the various MMDCs and other people who are regulators of mining activities within her area to try to bring them together and support the president's efforts in fighting against this menace. But after the meeting, uh, there was a lot of a lot of a lot of um, talk within uh, some regional ministers and their DCEs in trying to uh, even rehash the message of the president to them. Thank you so much, Hafiz Tijani, our correspondent in the Ashanti region, and he was bringing us updates and summaries from the meeting today, which meeting had to do with uh, the, involved the president of the republic and the chiefs, and the conversation around what the state of the Galamse fight is and the commitments, and the fact that the president says he uh, is asking for the depoliticization of the fight against Galamse, plus saying that he will not protect any chief who is found in there. The chiefs also, in speaking there, said so many things, including one that would jump at you if you are someone who is interested in what the situation of the economy is, the chiefs have said that they were asking for an economic allowance to be paid them. Uh, I'll just give you that soundbite when we come back. Please stay. 
Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Well, the National House of Chiefs is also appealing to the Inspector General of Police, Dr. George Okufudampare, the Ministers of National Security and interior to try as much as possible to check the crime rate in Ghana in recent times, including the gruesome murder of the late Georgina Asoboke at Mankesim, as well as the murdering of private security men in the Wa municipality in the Upper West region. Indeed, we are very happy that your Minister for Interior has made a definite statement about the chieftaincy dispute in uh, the Upper East region. That is uh, Boko. We urgently appeal to your government to pay Nananom's outstanding quarterly allowances. We also demand economic sitting and traveling allowances to reflect present-day economic conditions. Economic sitting and traveling allowances uh, is the request that is being made by the National House of Chiefs through the President of the House of Chiefs, or Jia Hoho Iyao Jebi II. This was during an interaction with the President in the Ashanti Regional Capital, Kumase. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Let's remain with that story and speak to Kojo Pepra, his president of the Consent Small Scale Miners Association. Mr. Pepra, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Is this a meeting? Because, you see, we've deployed soldiers, we've deployed drones, we've deployed um, gallam stop and up, yet the fight is still appears we are losing. Is the meeting with the chief the final solution to the problem, you, you reckon? Uh, um, we are only praying that uh, get things right so that we can salvage uh, the situation that we have been faced with. You you have had the conversations from that uh, meeting. Um, the president has said he is not going to um, support any chief who engages in or supports or endorses Galamsi. He also wants the fight to be depoliticized. The chiefs have also made their commitment. Do you think this will lead to a solution? I wouldn't say the statement made by our president is, 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 a, is a dishonest one. What I would say is, we were in this country when people were put in affairs to help the nation solve this galaxy problem. It came out that they were neck deep into the uh, galaxy itself. It came out that uh, Charles VCU and then um, the vice chairman of the central region, uh, Professor Finpo Boating, all names came up. Nothing was done to them. And as a matter of fact, they never lost their position in the fight against Kalamse. Uh, if if president says that this time around, he's not going to show them. It says uh, charity begins at home. It says we have not seen 
the good war, uh, in the fight against Galamse or the political war to, uh, punish people who have been found, uh, in engaging this, uh, illegal, um, activities. There are people who say that the solution to a Galamse problem is in the palace of the chiefs. Do you agree that the chiefs are the ones who can really stop this Galamse issue? No, we cannot uh, base our hopes in the chiefs because in the Mining Act, if you read the Minerals and Mining Act 2019, Act 218, it states clearly those who are in charge of this galaxy problem, that is the EPA, the Minerals Commission. In nowhere in the, uh, in the Minerals and Mining Act states that chiefs are the ones that can help us solve this problem. They are only custodians of the land, and then the minerals beneath the land is uh, invested in the state. So, as a matter of fact, we can only try and engage them, but that is not the solution to fight this problem. I think what we are faced with, the only problem is enforcement. Uh, if you could recall, uh, a lot of things were said by this government, especially people who were put into affairs. Uh, we, we were with them and they told us they were going to inaugurate mining guards. I don't know what has happened to that. When you go to Forestry Commission, they have something we call forest guards. They are protecting our forest uh, reserves. But in mining sector, especially with the small-scale mining, nobody comes to check whatever happens at the various sites. And we realize that the fight can only be won if we uh, decentralize the, the, the fight to the district level. And a lot of the DCs have come out to be accomplished in this uh, Galamsey uh, problem. So, you know, it is not going to be easy, but then I don't believe in West. No matter what it is, we can still salvage the problem. And if, so if you have a difficulty believing a lot of the stories being, being told, where do you think we can salvage the problem from then? If, if the gov- government shows enough teeth, how much teeth? Uh, the soldiers are teeth enough, aren't they? But the people who are to fight this are the same people who are engaging in the in the in the, in the, in the Galamse Act. So it means that we the government we, is in trouble then, because the government that you've asked to bear the teeth, these teeth have become problematic for the fight. It means that we are not out of the woods and we may never be out of it. Yes, if you remember when Honorable Abujinapo was appointed as the Lands and Natural Resource Minister. He came out with uh, the Operation Hot. They started burning excavators. They even went on to burn houses and excavators that were packed in people's houses just to, you know, uh, help in solving the problem. Recently, it came to the public notice that Akonta mining is in the forest, mining with impunity. And what the minister could do was to just release a statement for him to pack out from the uh, forest reserves with no uh, action. So 
if this is what is going to continue, I don't think uh, people will be uh, interested in the fight again. And that's not how uh, we can win the fight, if this is how uh, people who are put in affairs are going to run the Galamsey fight. So you think that the government is not walking its talk and it's, it shouldn't do that? Uh, yes, because we believe in we believe that government is doing much more of a PR work than trying to salvage uh, the problem. Because if we destroy this country, um, we don't know where we are going to be uh, next. And as a matter of fact, most times we implement decisions and at the end of the day, it doesn't yield results. But we can see for a fact that before, when this fight against Galamsey was inaugurated, Government had the support of the nation, but then from what is happening and from the revelations that has been, you know, revealing, now people have lost the fight. And we can only fight this problem when we have a collective um, understanding of the problem and when we have a collective uh, will to fight this galaxy menace. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us. Sir. That's uh, Kojo Pepra. He's president of the Consent Small Scale Miners Association. Jesuit Blueprint sends a message from Esikado Kitan and he says the pledge by the Nananum must be a reality and not by mere lip service. And I'm very optimistic. This time around, we shall win the fight together. Baba Chairman from Tamale says, Fighting Galamzi is a collective responsibility of all. The authorities that be must be bold enough to declare an all-out war on Galamzi and deploy the shoot-to-kill tactics. Fosin Salif in Kasua Zongo says, The state should apply appropriate sanctions against anyone caught engaging in Galamzi. Esuoba Iata from Kasua says, um, Well spoken by the President, the government should not shield anyone who would in, who would be caught doing or engaging in Galamsey. Ewa Nketia Kweku says, when will Nana Kufado be a president and stop talking like an opposition leader? He talks too much with no action at all. From his speeches, it looks as if he doesn't know what his responsibilities are. It's really sad the president has lost touch with the reality. A.U. Farouk in Tamale North says, seriously, the president must just must be just and fair to Ghanaians. If his own officials and party gurus are deeply involved in Galamse Act, how can he fight it with dignity? Okro Yebua from Bremen Benin says the government should declare a state of emergency in all Galamse areas. P.K. Bansa says in my research on artisanal mining, I found that Ghana's challenges with the operation has to do with the overriding role different uh, enforcement agencies play. How our laws are comprehensive. We only need consistency in enforcement. Mokule says, so the president went to the Ashanti region to discuss such a sensitive issue as Galamsi, and he decided to have it behind closed doors, and he's still talking about breaking the eight. I have no confidence in this president, Akufado Shem. Well, uh, let me say that there was an earlier out open door interaction where the journalists were before they went into the closed door meeting. Perez Ewinam says, Dear National House of Chiefs, your demands are legitimate, but speak to the suffering of your subjects first. You can't be asking for comfort when most of your subjects are wallowing in hardship. Thomas Citizen said, The chiefs asking for economic sitting allowance, then we, the citizens, also need citizenship allowance to reflect the economic hardship we are all facing. Uh, Moro uh, says, So our chiefs couldn't forfeit the allowances, but rather requesting for increments 
Let me know what you also think. Uh, send your message to 0549-986-996. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the Ashanti region on Focus of where the president has been speaking in Kumasi. He met with uh, the House of Chiefs and MMDCEs. Uh, the presidency has shared its slides. Let me just recap for you what the president has been saying. He said, one, even though for centuries we have been a mining nation, mining did not pose a threat to the health of our environment and water bodies. The rules that you put in place for mining ensured that the sanctity of our lands remained intact and our water bodies remained unpolluted. Tragically, in the modern era, that is not longer the case, and that is why I have come to you today to talk about how together we can repair this dramatic Situation. Since I took office on 7th January 2017, nearly six years ago, I have made it a central feature of my presidency to lead in the efforts to rid our country of this menace, which we allow, we all call Galamse. Indeed, it was an important aspect of my inaugural address of that day. Uh, it has not been easy, it has not been popular, and we have not got the immediate results that I was looking for. So there are several of uh, this that have been shared by the President's handlers on their social media platforms. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll return shortly with more. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Our big story tonight is the President's statement on Galamse and the response by the National House of Chiefs. And he's also been meeting with MMDCEs in the Ashanti Regional Capital, Kumasi. Let's talk about labor agitations now, shall we? Yes, and the four labor unions in public universities in Ghana have scheduled their intended strike to take effect on Thursday, October 13, 2022. Now, the teacher unions, namely the University Teachers Association of Ghana, UTAG, Ghana Association of University Administrators, Tertiary Education Workers Union of Ghana, and the Senior Staff Association of Universities of Ghana, wants the government to settle their outstanding online teaching support allowance and also their non-payroll uh, non allowances. National Chairman of TEU, Suleimana Abdul Rahman, tells City News concerns raised over the period are yet to be addressed. Our press conference, there have been a series of engagements uh, from government and then uh, uh, Vice Chancellor Ghana. And yesterday we had a meeting with Vice Chancellor Ghana and um, we agreed on some, uh, we had some agreement actually, to find a lasting solution to uh, the issues that we have raised. Because we made it clear to them in the meeting that uh, a policy cannot override a law. Because um, our conditional service and the labor law has made it very clear that one party cannot vary another party's, uh, I mean, uh, conditional service that have been agreed on. So okay. at no point, at no point, uh, that governments will write a letter to vary what we have sat and negotiated for. Concerns are many, but just to limit to 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 the core uh, 
uh, issue that we have raised has to do with um, poor allowance, uh, commuting allowance, and then vehicle maintenance allowance. Suleiman Abdul Rahman is National Chairman of the Tertiary Education Workers Union of Ghana, Tewu. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are also live around Ghana on a number of affiliate stations and across the globe on citynewsroom.com. Um, let's uh, move on to some other stories. And uh, this one has to do with um, something that bothers our health sector. And it has to do with polio. Um, Akosia has a story. Yes, the Ghana Health Service says the second phase of the polio immunization will begin tomorrow, October 6 to October 9, 2022. The polio immunization campaign was necessitated after the health sector confirmed cases of the polio virus type 2. Speaking to City News, the program's manager for extended programs of immunization at the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Kwame Aponsanchiano, says after a successful first round, they are hopeful that parents would avail or children under the age of five for vaccination. For the second round of the campaign, we are starting tomorrow. Maybe we are talking with reference to the round one, which ended on the 4th of September. So for that, we had targeted 6.3 million children, approximately. Uh, on the field, we actually got 6.6 million. Meaning there were more children affected compared to the target. What we do is that when you are planning for such campaigns, we are normally usually plan for campaigns. Do two rounds of polio when there is an outbreak, and we normally would repeat the same target. But because we had more children, then it's two two reason that we needed to change the revise the target. So for now. We are doing approximately 6.9 is our target, 6.9 million children under five. We are using multiple strategies, so trained volunteers and healthcare workers will be moving from house to house. So that's the main strategy. But additionally, people can visit the usual facilities, both public and private. So what we call the static clinics. They should also be looking out for vaccinators around the lorry parks, if by any place where you have a have gathering so on the streets, um, the market areas. Dr. Kwame Amponsa is a program manager of the extended program on vaccines and immunization at the Ghana Health Service. Now, Ghana is the second world's leading producer of cocoa. We follow Ivory Coast, and cocoa is pretty much a um, pillar of our economy and how much the cocoa farmer makes and how much the economy gains has always been a topical issue. Now, the Ministry of Agriculture has announced that it has secured a syndicated loan of 1.13 billion cities for the next crop of cocoa season. And then the farm gate, uh, we are told, would be adjusted from 660, farm gate price will be adjusted from 660 cities per 64 kg back to 800 cities. The minority side in Parliament had preempted this announcement and um, they were making a demand that is slightly higher than what has been announced now. 
Kezala Tufosin is a former Deputy Minister of Finance and Member of Parliament. He's also the ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament. He's one, uh, he's a leader or he leads the minority side in making the demand for uh, the increment of the uh, price, farm gate price of cocoa. He joins us on the line now. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, the government has made the announcement. Should that satisfy you? Not at all. Not at all. I, I, I'm really, really, really very, very uncomfortable with the announcement that the state has made. In fact, I have made. Unfortunately, it's going to cost the nation a lot more. What factors are you considering in making the demands you are making? Okay. Um, Umaru, first of all, the basic point that everyone needs to understand is that in times when a country's currency loses value or the Ghanaian CD depreciates against the U.S. dollars, one group of people that benefit most happens to be those that export. In Ghana, the main exporters or the one single item we export most has to do with cocoa. So the person that exports that cocoa is the cocoa farmer. So he should be the one or she should be the one to benefit, not the government. The Ghanaian city has depreciated to date from year to date about 60%. Our neighboring countries, the SIFA has depreciated by 13% to date. In fact, the world market price of cocoa has also appreciated slightly from last year to this year, by about $50 approximately. Let me say $30 because if you, if you take the premium, it's about $30. It has appreciated slightly. At this point, to get the cocoa price is two things. You need to look at the world market price and the exchange rate to arrive at the price that the farm gate will get. Unfortunately, Ghana has increased the, uh, the coke with the farm gate price from 660 to 800 Ghana cities. That is way too small. In fact, our neighboring country, Ivory Coast, increased their farm gate price to 900, 900 farms, CFA, 900 CFA. In city terms, 852 Ghana cities per bag. We know in times like this, the person that should benefit most is the one whose currency has depreciated the most. Ghana's currency has depreciated more than that of Ivory Coast. What the government seeks to do now is to pocket the gain and not to pass it on to the average cocoa farmer. No wonder cocoa farmers are now in the position to sell their cocoa farms for Galamze. Unfortunately, this is what is happening. People are selling their cocoa farms for Galamse because the government is not paying remunerative prices. Prices that are enough for them to hold on to the farms. This menace will only continue if the government fails to pay the right price for the cocoa. Cocoa over the years has become the backbone for our country. This Ghanaian economy of ours has survived largely on the back of cocoa. In fact, it employs so much. In fact, it is the largest employer. What we are seeing now is eroding the gain. And what saddens me, most importantly, is the fact that in these difficult times that Ghana needs every single dollar to support our currency that is depreciating, this government has decided 
to reduce the price of cocoa or not to pay a price of cocoa that will be at par or better than that of Ivory Coast. So what we mean is that those cocoa around the border may end up being smuggled to Ivory Coast. When that happens, the key point is that, number one, Ghana is not going to get a lot more cocoa to export. And we, if we fail to export that, foreign exchange will not come in and the city will continue to be weaker. So I don't understand why this government is so short-sighted in taking decisions. When you are taking major decisions of this nature, these are things you should be thinking about. Unfortunately, I do not see that. One thing that is of so much importance to us at Ghana today is foreign exchange. Foreign exchange is the one that is increasing inflation. Foreign exchange is the one that is actually causing traders to actually agitate. Foreign exchange is the reason why today the prices of petroleum products is going up. This government, instead of taking a decision that will preserve an inflow of foreign exchange, they have taken a, re- a decision that will rather be a reverse. I am saddened because I don't, I don't really understand. This singular decision is not only against the cocoa farmer, but also against the stability of the economy. That is my take, and I think that they should reverse it. Per my calculation, the ordinary cocoa farmer should be getting 1,000 Ghana cities per bag. 1,000 Ghana cities per bag. In fact, what I've seen is that government has rather decided to sell it at 800 Ghana cities. So to put it short, per every bag that each cocoa farmer sells, the government is robbing from them 200 Ghana cities. Okay. That is not fair. The now, cocoa farmer might, needs to be compensated. For anything that you pay, you should have the capacity to do so first. The government clearly may not have the capacity. Now, you do know what the, the, the situation with our economy is. If the government cannot pay for it, it simply cannot pay for it, regardless of all the issues you've raised. Perhaps there's a plan to uh, protect or ensure that no one moves out of Ghana with our cocoa and also sell... Do, do, do you know why the government cannot pay Omaru, the only reason why government cannot pay is because government is making Cocoa Board take up responsibility that is not the core mandate of Cocoa Board. They are performing a quasi-fiscal agency activities. That is not their mandate. All of a sudden, Cocoa Board is awarding more roads than the Ministry of Roads. Is that their mandate? Is that their mandate? In some states, you see Cocoa God even undertaking electricity at the rural areas. Is that their mandate? Please, Ministry of Energy is there. So I'm saying that Cocoa Board situation needs to be addressed holistically. Well. See, in addressing it, don't let us punish the farmer. Don't let us be short-sighted in a way that will affect the economy going forward. That should be the way we should address it. Very well, thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. That's uh, the Honorable Kiesel Atuforsen, his former Deputy Minister of Finance and uh, MP for Ejukmaku Enyang Esiang in the Central Region. Earlier we had scheduled to speak to Deputy Agric Minister in charge of crops, Alhaji Hadi Tufeiru, uh, who is MP for Nantong, but uh, he has not been responsive to our calls for a reaction to the issue. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We still have business coming up ahead. And then on Point Blank, we'll focus on the wager dam spillage and the consequence thereof. Please stay.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Every market movement and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News. Powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Aikwe Okain. Let's settle for the details. The Cybersecurity Authority has threatened to legally sanction online businesses that fail to secure licenses for their operations by January 2023. This follows the passage of the Cybersecurity Act that seeks to regulate online businesses and offer accreditation for cybersecurity professionals. Speaking at a public engagement towards the licensing of cybersecurity service providers and professionals, the Acting Director General of the Cybersecurity Authority, Dr. Abed Nchibuesiakum, urged online businesses to take advantage of the exercise to regularize their activities. The governing board of the Cybersecurity Authority has set uh, a deadline for us uh, to ensure that effective 1st of January 2023, every business that provides cybersecurity services provided in the law ought to be licensed by the authority. And that is what we are working. That's a directive from the board in view of the need to uh, improve that industry that is so much needed to help us with enforcement and compliance with CI provisions. So uh, I think we are on course. Again, this particular engagement is meant to solicit input. Internally, we have had uh, deliberation. The authority has produced a framework document uh, with the support of certain key people within the industry, external people, that is, industry reps, that uh, help us to develop the framework. That was the Acting Director General of the Cybersecurity Authority, Dr. Albert Nchibwe-Siakon. Now, government has pegged the producer price for cocoa at 800 Ghana cities per bag of 64 kilogram effective Friday, October 14, for the 2022-2023 crop season. This depicts a 21% increase from the 10,560 Ghana cities per ton to 12,800 Ghana cities per ton. This comes on the back of some cocoa farmers expressing concern of the delay of the farm gate price for the year 2022-2023. The Minister for Food and Agriculture, Dr. Uswefri Yakoto, made the announcement at a press briefing in Accra. I'm pleased to announce that the government of Ghana has increased the producer price of cocoa by 21% from 10,560 CDs per metric ton to 12,800 CDs per metric ton. The producer price represents 89.99% of the net FOB value. This figure translates into 800 CDs per bag of 64 kilogram gross weight and takes effect from Friday, 7th October 2020. 21% rise in the producer's price of cocoa is a testament to government's resolve to ensure farmers earn a decent income and make cocoa farming lucrative. Minister for Food and Agriculture, Dr. Usuefriye Akuto. A group calling itself the Concerned Ex-Employees of GN Savings and Loans Limited is calling on the government to immediately release the payment of their of their outstanding insurance funds from August 2019. 
The GN Savings and Loans Limited had its licenses revoked for alleged breaches of banking regulations, where the receiver terminated the appointment of all staff in 2019. The group, numbering about 2,000, says they subscribed to an insurance scheme which deducted amounts from their salaries every month. Here is the spokesperson of the group, Kofi Fosu, demanding for the release of the funds during a press briefing. Sometime after the revocation, the trustee who was managing the funds paid 50% of the outstanding amount to all contributors, numbering um, about 1,500 to 2,000. The reason they gave at the time is that the remaining 50% has been locked up with the GM bank where the investment was. Um, therefore, they couldn't pay the full amount to us until the receiver had validated the investment and then released the funds to them before they can pay us. So we waited. Now, three years after, the 50% of the money remains unpaid. However, it was revealed to us in August 16, 2022 that the receiver had released some funds to the trustee to pay beneficiaries. In fact, the trustee informed us that what the receiver released is not the full amount, but then they were going to pay to us anyway to help reduce our sufferings under this harsh economic situation that we find ourselves. Spokesperson of a group calling itself the concerned ex-staff of GN Savings and Loans Limited, Kofi Fosu. Moving on, the Ghana Revenue Authority has announced the rollout of the e-auction by the end of the month. The online portal is meant to facilitate the purchase of cars in the country. The move is one of many meant to ease the processes in business transactions. Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Dr. Emisa Dr. Mishadai Owusu throws more light on the latest innovation by the authority. In fact, before the end of this month, we'll be coming out with electronic or e-auction. And for those who go around the month looking for cars and looking all around, you can sit at your home, see the car online, uh, indicate how much you want to pay for the car, and once you win, you pay online and you are done. So all this is on the technology, these are on the technology front. But this will not succeed if we, the people in the organization, do not promise and commit to the promise. And therefore, we are generally, among other initiatives, has established a customer excellence unit. Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Mishadai Ousu, he spoke at the launch of the GRA service charter. Still on GRA, it says that it will continue to use its exchange rates provided by the Bank of Ghana in determining the import duties at the port. This follows a warning by members of the Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana that they will be compelled to abandon their goods at the port over their inability to keep up with the charges. According to the importers, the situation will lead to a shortage of goods on the market. Currently, the importers are paying import duties and taxes at a rate of 9 cities, 5 pesos against the dollar. Speaking to City Business News on the development, Chief Revenue Officer Communications and Public Affairs with the Ghana Revenue Authority, Johnson Melayanki, said the import charges will remain dependent on the city performance against the dollar. 
stop feasible. You can't say that you should pay the dollar to the to the city for a quarter, three months or four months. Nobody will do that. It's not the first time they are making this demand. And we all know how the city is running against the dollar. So saying they say it will not it will not help them. But we don't fix it. It's the Bank of Ghana that gives us the wish, exchange rate for the wish. And we use that one to work. So if next week it moves to fifteen to this Chief Revenue Officer, Communications and Public Affairs with the Ghana Revenue Authority, Johnson Melayanki. And finally, Kenyan's ambassador to Ghana, Her Excellency Elifaz Mugendi Barin, says Africa should leverage on the Ghana Beyond Aid mantra to build the competences of the African continent. He posits that Africa has all the natural resources that can accelerate development. Speaking at the unveiling ceremony of Exide Chloride Batteries in Tema, Ambassador Barin encouraged business investors to learn to trust themselves to build a better African trade hub. And that will be all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Aikwe Okain. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Shanti and Eastin, mm-hmm. Galamse, and the rainfall are causing it. In the north, the uh, the Bagre Dam and rainfall. But here in the south, this is purely a natural disaster. You know, it is natural because uh, the wager dam is full. Mm-hmm. If you don't fill it, you it also get problem. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandaman. Tonight on Point Blank, we revisit the Wajagbari municipality. 
and the Gan South municipality, where the opening of the floodgates of the Wager Dam is causing havoc. I was there today and I've seen houses abandoned. I'll be telling you more on what I saw, but let's listen to this interview I had with the Director General of the National Disaster Management Organization, Nana Ajiman Prempe. He spoke to me on his assessment and also what he believes is the reason for the challenge we are seeing nationwide in terms of flooding. In Ashanti and Eastern Galamse and the rainfall are causing it. In the north, the, the, the Bagre Dam and rainfall. But here in the south, this is purely a natural disaster. You know, it is natural because uh, the wager dam is full. Mm-hmm. If you don't fail it, you it also will, get problem. It will collapse. It will collapse. And you don't want to do that. You don't want it to collapse. Mm-hmm. So we need to spill it. You need to open it. The moment you open it, it has to pass through its course. But can we can we open it in a regulated manner so that it doesn't it, affect it, it, people? It depends on the level, you know. It depends on the level. You know, the wager dam, the level should always be at 47 or 47 point something. Mm-hmm. But at this time, it has gotten to 49. You know, when it got to 48, they were waiting to see maybe it won't get to 49 mm-hmm. so that they will maintain it. Mm-hmm. But it got to 49. When it gets to 49, we might spoil all the turbines and everything, mm-hmm. and therefore they need to uh, spill some of the water. So prevention. Prevention, right. It was, it was a prevention. Mm-hmm. So uh, they spilled it, and because people have built at the purpose of the course where it has to pass through. That's why we experienced those floods for the past days in Gang South and Wijakbawi. So what major thing are we going to learn and what major actions are we going to take after this water recedes? Forever and ever, the spillage will be done mm-hmm. because it's a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely there will be rainfalls. Today, looking at climate change, adaptation and others, there's no way you can say there will be no rainfall and you don't know when it comes mm-hmm. so it will come therefore we must always be prepared mm-hmm. the water will be spilled all right mm-hmm. i think we must do major drainage major drainage works at uh, the, the course okay. of where the spillage will start okay and then look at the buffers okay so that the buffers can contain the water and yes. these buffers are where people have enclosed and mm-hmm. building unauthorized structures. Mm-hmm. So we need to do So this is multi-sectorial. So not more you have your responsibility, but municipal assemblies, district assemblies, the local government, yeah. they all have to work in this. And, yes, not more has his responsibility to some extent. Mm-hmm. We are the disaster management organization. Yeah. We give a lot of advices, technical advices and preventive measures we put in place. Mm-hmm. But the assemblies are the development authorities yes. in the various areas. The physical development authority mm-hmm. of the assembly are responsible for that. Mm-hmm. But we work in hand in hand with them. Okay. Because every metropolitan municipal district assembly, the physical development authority has that more uh, representative as being a member. Mm-hmm. And today our laws have been changed to an extent that there's every district, all the MMDs, they have uh, what we call uh, Disaster Management Committee, okay. headed by the Chief Executive, okay. and therefore they are in charge because they are the representative of the President. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you, rec- if you recall, uh, just a few months ago, His Excellency Nanado Dankwa Kufuado gave a direct mm-hmm. to MMDCs that they must demolish 
unauthorized stretches that causes flood. So that, that is that, why that, that's where we start from. Yes. Okay. Another thing, quickly before we, we get into the estuary, yes. is that people have been displaced. As Nadmo, what key things have you done? What key interventions apart from rescue? But what else are you doing? Are you giving them yes. supplies? Do you have enough? Yes. When 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 there is disaster, people call for believe I can say, but no, we need to do rescue search and rescue okay and then we do assessment okay. these are all part of the assessment okay currently the headquarters of nadmo is getting things ready by this evening it will get to the assembly and by tomorrow morning we start giving them relief we have very we have nana ajiman prempe is the director general of the national disaster management organization nadmo he was speaking to me in the wager Bawe municipality today Early in the day, we spoke to Clifford Brimer, who is the CEO of the Ghana Water Company Limited, or managing director it is. This on the City Breakfast Show to Nathan Kwa. Let's listen to what he's also been saying about the situation with the Wager Dam, whose spillage is causing the havoc that is being witnessed in these communities. We want to uh, say sorry to the people that have been affected because. Uh, Every human being's life matter, and you struggle to get help. And it's not just uh, good to lose it, just within a, a short period. But also, have we cautioned ourselves in some of the activities that we undertake? Normally, when you are building a dam, it is like a river running. And because you have a purpose for water to be stored, you decide to block the waterway. So you build a dam wall to a level that it can trap water for your usage. So there's a concrete wall that has blocked the Desu River that's supposed to go and discharge into the, the sea. And when you are building a wall, because of the volume of water that you're going to store behind the wall, you will have to look at the strength of the wall. And the strength of the wall will be based on the height of the water behind the wall. Immediately the water gets over it. And you don't get the water to go out. It will, talk, it will, it will break. It's like it's going to turn around. It's like going to, I do I think it's going to go clockwise. Well, depending on where the direction is. And it will break. And so when you block the Listen, the water will still be having its way because you create a kill the river all of a sudden. Ghana Water Company is still away. There are five gates. And each of the gates can open up to 21 feet. So because of that, they will have to create a buffer beyond the original river way. Okay. So that in the event that you burn to a level because you don't control the natural activity of rain and it flows through the, the catchment area. And so they estimate a lot of capital. So you create a buffer such that if you didn't open the gate up to the 21 feet, the five gates, water will still have its way without affecting any, any, anybody. As we said today, all the buffer including the original waterway. You are aware that if you prevent water from moving on its course, it will find its way. 
Mm. And so the, the area that you don't even expect the water and the normal circumstances to go, the water will go there. Today, we are doing four feet, not five, and six feet, not 21. And people are experiencing this kind of flooding. What it means is that the waterway has been completely taken over by concrete buildings. People are saying we did not make announcement. It was an emergency situation. Within less than 24 hours, the water level moved from 45 to 49 feet. Throughout the year, one gate is always open. So that it allows whatever inflow that comes to go. Mm. And so we're monitoring, and within 24 hours, and when we opened the gate, we even realized that the inflows were becoming more than the outflow. And so it continued to increase to the levels. We had informed them earlier, but this time we couldn't get the opportunity to do the announcement that we've been doing regularly on the, every year. Sometimes we take more than one week to do the announcement. This time, it was unanticipated. And so it came around that time, and we decided to be opening gradually, gradually, gradually. But so, we got to a point where you have to get to the six with the four uh, uh, gates. You go and stand on the dam wall and look down the, 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 the river course. Then you realize that if this rubbish, they had made that place a rubbish dam or so, or a landfill. I'm sure somebody was preparing to build, to cover the place and build there. And then you see, it's an ISO. So as much as we think that life matters, we should also be careful to protect our life. Because at a point, it, 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 could, it could have come midnight when people are sleeping, you will not even get a chance to open the, 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 the gate. And the whole wall would have collapsed. And you can imagine the volume of water behind the, the, the wall coming out. All the settlements around there will, will just be washed away. And nobody will be able to. And that's why, engineering-wise, you create the buffers. And if people decide to go and build in the buffers, I'm sure you are aware that in the past, national security has been there a number of times to break down the, the, the building. Yes, yes, yes. But the, the, after that, they go back. After that, they go back. So, 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 so yesterday, the chief, yesterday, the chief of Uja was with us at the, at the, at the, at the dam wall to see for himself, to see for himself what is happening. And so we also need to caution ourselves as what we do and where we even buy some of this. If you go to the riverbed itself, the last time I went there with my minister, when people were doing sand winning, they said they were creating the route. People were building in on the riverbed. And I'm sure today, if you go there, the builders will not be there. Why would we do this to ourselves? Why? So, so from your submission, we can deduce that a lot of human activity really is behind the, the effects of the spillage. So you created a, a way for the water to pass, but people have jumped on those spaces they have built, and now the water needs to find a place to go. So we have these challenges. 
under normal circumstances, the water would have gone even with the 21 feet if we had opened with the five gate. The calculation was done in such a way that it will still go into the sea without affecting anybody. But if you come and then you think that, oh, this river has not happened. And normally, when you are building a dam, you are using a return period of 100 years. That for 100 years, there can be an occurrence one. And because it's an engineering design, you don't take that as a joke. Even if it will come in 100 years, you will still have to take that as part of your, your design. The cost is going to be very high, but you protect life when the uh, occurrences uh, uh, happen. And that is how we do it. But if you decide that, oh, it has not been happening, it has not been happening, and so it won't happen, <laughs> you, you can overtake. tell. That's Clifford Brimer. He is the managing director of the Ghana Water Company Limited. We were speaking to Nathan Kwa on the City Breakfast Show. Let's go back to the Wajagbari municipality and speak to the municipal chief executive, Patrick Kumo. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You were with the National Disaster Management Organization team touring your community today. I believe you would be done by now. What's your own assessment of the situation having toured um, both your district or municipality and the South municipality? Hello, Mr. Kumo? Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Good evening to your listeners. Yes, good evening. So I was saying that you've been touring your municipality as well as the neighboring municipality today with the National Disaster Management Organization. What's your own assessment, and uh, what is the situation and the update tonight? Yeah, basically, uh, uh, a lot of uh, households have been affected. And uh, looking at the spillage that came into the community and the areas that we toured, we realized that uh, uh, our people are really in difficulty at this very moment. Uh, the information that we picked from the Ghana Water Rep at the dam site, uh, at the, the dam site, he made us understand that uh, the levels that are coming from the eastern region is reducing, of which uh, probably maybe by tomorrow um, most of the gates uh, will be pulled, will be coming down so that we don't have uh, too much of the volumes coming into the community. We also moved down to the estuary where uh, yesterday uh, we managed to use the excavators to open up the waterways for the water to have free access into the sea. And then the activation over there was really excellent. Uh, as I speak to you this evening, we have also noted that the levels in the communities are going down. So we're hoping that by tomorrow uh, we should see some substantial uh, reduction in the volumes in the uh, communities. But I must also say that uh, most of our people are displaced. Uh, we're looking to a figure of about 2,000 people uh, who have been affected as a result of this uh, spillage. Uh, we must also understand that this is a, nat- uh, a natural disaster. Normally, if Ghana water has to spill water, the notification comes in, and then the announcement is relayed to the community. But looking at the kind of uh, water or the rains that are coming from the eastern region, uh, everybody was overwhelmed with the flow of which uh, this is the stand with which uh, people have been uh, affected. Are you having to camp people in certain parts of your communities or people are taking care of themselves on their own? Yes, uh, since yesterday we've been uh, getting in touch with the people to see how far best we can uh, uh, some, some, uh, I mean, relocate most of them. But we realize that uh, 
a chance of them will want to move to uh, be with their relatives. Those that are left behind, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, the assembly has uh, some safe havens that uh, we're preparing so that uh, those that are still stranded will be moved to those areas. Uh, when you come to the assembly area, which you call the ITS, a place I've been earmarked for such an activity, then within the Tetegu area, it's a, uh, a church premises have also been identified where we house people over there. We're also looking forward to taking some delivery of uh, some relief items from that, no God willing, tomorrow so that uh, uh, more people can be taken care of. But as I speak to you, most of them are trying to uh, move to stay with relatives. We're also calling on the other individuals who can also be of assistance to also host these people for us because uh, this is a very trying moment for us all. And uh, we all need to rally to, together to make sure that uh, uh, we, we try to uh, comfort our people. This is not a time for us to see our residents going to such difficulty, looking at the current economic situation that the whole world is going through. To find your household being uh, uh, destroyed at this very moment is a very uh, sad moment for us all. Mm. Now, I have gone to the Wager Dam today during my tour. I stood on top of the dam and looked downstream. And I noticed that people have not only constructed but finished and are living in houses in the middle of the path of the water. So essentially what has happened is that the water moves through its natural course and meets people's houses in there. Of course, there are people who are not in the course of the water, but because um, the, the waterway has been blocked, the water will spill to their home. But there are so many people who have built so many big houses on the streamway of, of the water. How, how did we let this happen? Uh, my dear brother, um, uh, let me put on record, the structures did not come out within the six years that I've been in office as a chief executive. Some of these structures have been there for three, four decades. And uh, even though we're doing everything possible to remove of them, I mean, if you look at the, my uh, administration uh, for some six years now, most of these structures are being removed. We still have others that have to go. But as you know, it uh, is the process. Uh, we're doing our possible best to uh, get those structures that are included. But this activity that has really happened has really awakened us all to let people understand that if government or the assembly is taking steps in trying to get those structures off the way, not because the administration is against anybody's uh, uh, settlement, but we need to do the right thing so that everybody within that catchment area can have some sort of peace of mind. But in as much as those structures need to be removed, uh, my brother, let me also put on record that the Wager Dam, if I'm not, uh, if I'm getting records right, that structure over there has been there for almost about six decades. Let's say, for instance, the time that it was being constructed, if the depth within that time was about 100 feet, as I talk to you now, that dam has never been dredged before. So, uh, invariably, within that period, you still have stood in it. And for that matter, the dam cannot contain large volumes of water. So the little inflow will push Ghana water to spill. We are what we are recommending is that if some dredging can be done on the Wicha Dam, then of course the reservoir can hold large volumes of water. Then of course when it comes to the downstream where it, it calls move straight into the sea, we need to have a proper dredging and embankment. If this are, these things are done and the estuary is open throughout the year, I believe we can have some sort of relief whilst we look forward to taking the, the other structures that are encroached on the water bank. These are things that need to be done ASAP so that we can have some peace within this enclave. 
Very well. Uh, thank you. Please keep doing what you have to do and ensure the sanity in your municipality. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you so very much, brother. That's Patrick <laughs> Kumo, his municipal chief executive for Wajagbari. And uh, that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. For more on the pictures and some of them, the situation is simply um, unimaginable and horrible. You want to watch City Newsroom uh, on City TV at 8 p.m. tonight. We have a package for you from Wajagbari. That would be it for Eyewitness News, though, on radio. My name is Umaru Sandamad. You can listen to the playback if you missed any segment at midnight. Production by Sixtus Dongulu and Beverly London with the technical support coming through from Daniel Squashi. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 73 FM, and on Twitter at City973.